Um, so let's see here. I'd love to let's maybe shift a little bit and talk okay. about uh, the acting and the actors okay. in the movie. Um, so when you watch this movie, th- there might be an obvious answer here, but I'd love like who who are you immediately drawn to, c- character wise or or performance wise in in the movie? So there are two. When I was Great. younger. Um, I had a huge crush on Harrison Ford. There I is. grew up watching Harrison Ford movies. Uh, my sister actually wanted to become a uh, an anthropologist, an archaeologist, because of Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And then she realized, oh, I wouldn't have to go on like these crazy adventures and shoot people. Even better, oh, you know. Great. She 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 just wanted the historical part of it. She didn't want any of the action. Um, so I was always kind of obsessed with Harrison Ford. So originally, I was like, I love Deckard. Deckard is the best. As I've got gotten older i've become really connected to the replicants very connected especially to roy batty i love yeah. rutger hauer i'll watch rutger hauer in anything and i do think that this movie is a rutger hauer movie yeah <laughs> he is on screen for i don't even know how many minutes i'm sure it's out there but his small screen time it overtakes me every single time i watch this film now can, can I, I read you can I read Absolutely. you a little bit from Pauline Kale's review? Oh, on, please do. On please Hauer. do. Oh, yes. The only character who gets to display a large range of emotions is the fourth of the killer replicants and their leader, Roy Batty, played by the tall, blue-eyed, blonde Dutch actor Rucker Hauer, whose hair is lemon white here. Hauer, who also, who, who was also, who was, oh, fuck it, this was, okay. um, Hauer stares all the time. He also smiles ominously, hoo-hoos like a mad owl and howls like a wolf, and at moments appears to see himself as the god Pan and as Christ crucified. He seems to shoe in for this year's Klaus Kinski Scenery Chewing Award. <laughs> oh, but he does it so well. He does it I... so well, and I connect so much with Roy Batty's character. Well, yeah, and and it's 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 really interesting and it's one of those things where I I I I kind of get what what she's saying of like, you know, he's all over the place. He gets to he's up, Absolutely. he's down, he's sad, he's crazy. But it's also like he's not ba- like he hasn't had a life of experience to do all these things and Yes. And and so when he gets to when he gets to be serious and when he gets to be silly and it's, it's just great to see all of these different levels in him. I agree. And also if you think about it, the replicants are four years old. They're not, how are they supposed to be emotionally mature at all? So really his very heightened emotions make sense for where he, his emotional maturity probably is in his, in, in his development. You know what I mean? It's not like they had the opportunity to spend 40 plus years honing their skills and understanding, oh, this is how I'm supposed to react here, or, oh, I must keep this in because it's going to make somebody else uncomfortable. Do I think that's what he thought when he was doing the role? Probably not, but I do feel like it comes across that way. Well, and and a, a lot of the choices, I mean, they do seem really like to be active choices, though, like things that he he wanted to do. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm speaking specifically of chopping up the last speech that he was supposed yeah. to give um which is one of those things that like y- you know it seems like a big no-no but yet a- as like a as an acting teacher i would be t- I, I like i tell my students you don't know if it's a quote bad choice unless you try it right it's and, so true and 
what I what I appreciate so much about Rucker Howard's performance in the movie is that it is chock full of just trying stuff. Trying stuff, and he was and it's, making choices. Yeah, and it's not his responsibility to decide whether or not it's going to be in there, right? Nope. So, um, and like, I, I and all the stuff when he's when he's chasing Deckard around the um, the basically that abandoned building. Like, is it big? Is it over the top? Sure, but like, this is a guy who knows he's about to die. Like, he at that point he knows it, and and exactly. so why he's- not just. You're going to you're going to go through all the emotions. You're going to go through all the emotions. And also somebody who he very much cared about, Pris, just died. He's there is that scene where he is. And this is going like way far into the movie. Yeah. But he he's saying, I'm going to let you I'm going to count down. You know, you have some seconds to run. Yeah. And you see Deckard gets out there and he's continuing to count. But he's actually like pushing his face into Pris. And I remember watching it going, oh, my God, is this like the the emotions that we go through when we're teenagers in our first relationship. You know what I mean? Like that intense feeling towards somebody else. And it was, it was so sad to watch. And I just, and then it was like, okay, so that emotion that he's feeling right there, it has to go somewhere else. So of course he's going to start playing with Deckard and just allowing himself to feel everything that has been, that people have tried to suppress within him. You know? Yeah and, yeah, and I think as an as an audience, you have to accept. I mean, you have to realize that they're they're replicants. They haven't lived full lives, and that they're like you. You mentioned that moment with with Pris, and, and like this very, I, I, this is maybe an overstatement, but like these kind of teen angst angsty vibes about what happened to her. That's exactly how I felt though too. Yes, it yeah. was teen angsty. But then, you know, maybe 10 minutes prior in the movie when um, uh, Batty and Sebastian have gone to Tyrell's uh, room and and Roy Batty has all of these like, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And Tyrell's like, no, it would it would it would still end up it, it would fail. It wouldn't work. And the amount of poise and research and, and brilliance that he brings to that scene, it's it's of a very level headed adult in yeah. that scene. And it's. I mean, it's it's such a unique thing to see on screen. But what's great, though, and I think why it works ultimately is because Harrison Ford and Sean Young, even though she's a replicant, are very grounded. Very which, grounded. Which gives Rucker Hauer, I mean, the, the other replicants in his bunch, but specifically Rucker Hauer, the room to be big, to have these he's, emotions. He's allowed to be bombastic and beautiful and just oh i could watch him as roy batty all day i love him yeah yeah very fair very fair um so uh i i I, so we i think we just we'll get to this now so we should probably talk about sean young um as rachel and i mean i i just just i mean everything to do everything everything sean young i guess um because she was she was really young at this point. It's so funny. I unintentionally watched Stripes like a oh, few really? days ago. Yeah, um, which I think was her first like really big thing that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, Stripes, I think Stripes has got to be like our parents is like American Pie. Like, like, <laughs> like, like they all think it's funny, and I watch Stripes and I'm like, this is just not good. 
Like yeah. I'm watching talented people on screen, but this is not a good movie. Um, but that's that's just me. That's just my opinion. I feel like that's fair. I haven't seen it. I really haven't had any interest in seeing it. The only reason I would watch it is probably for Sean Young's performance, just to see how she did in it. It's, and she's and honestly, she's not used a lot. It's she's she's the cute one of the cute MPs in the in the on in the in the army. That's her her role, which is again fair. unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did with a lot of females. Well, they still do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fucking, it's, yeah. Um, it's a problem. But like, you know, and I think it's so great. And I, I, I love Ridley's idea of casting somebody unknown for this yes. role, mm-hmm. which is great. But then it also like Sean Young was seemed pretty nervous about it because there wasn't a whole lot on the page kind of. And like. It, Rachel's a really difficult character. Rachel yeah. was a difficult character in the book. In the book, she's completely different. Um, She is femme fatale to the max pretty much in it she uh is she's aware that she's a replicant she does help deckard in certain parts she actually goes to him and is like hey the replicants you're going after are my friends and i know them so i really would prefer it if you didn't hunt them down she initiates (laughs) sexual relations between the two of them she initiates this relationship and she's done this before with other blade runners in order to stop them from uh, becoming, you know, stop them from killing pe- her kind, you know, stop them from killing other replicants because they have yeah. sentience. Therefore, they should be allowed to live. You know, they didn't ask to be to be, but then they're also, you know, they should have ownership over their own lives, I guess. Uh, yeah. And then when Deckard rebukes her, she kills his his goat. So she gets him where it hurts. She literally pushes it off of the sky rise that he lives in. So, you know, she's an incredibly different character. Whereas in this, I love Rachel at the beginning because she is so strong and she does not care that Deckard is is there and doing this very invasive test um, on her. But then she's kind of subverts the femme fatale because though she's strong at the beginning, she starts to wither away and she kind of becomes you know it's very sad to watch she she realizes that she's a replicant and everything that created her that made her you know human is gone and she really has nowhere else to turn and no one else to go to so she ends up going to deckard which is a problem (laughs) now that i'm older watching through that whole relationship it's really hard it's it's hard to watch yeah yeah and and all the on-screen stuff that you just mentioned is all there. And then, I mean, I mean, I won't say that it was, the shooting was terrible for, I mean, the shooting was rough for everybody for different reasons, but you know, there's the scene that where Harrison Ford and Sean Younger, let's say start making out kind of by the door and it, it didn't seem good enough. So then he pushed her and that was obviously a direction and it startled her. And like, then that's just, that that's just not great working conditions. And like, but just again, the, the footage of like, there, there were so many shots in the making of, of like them being in a kiss and just like not clicking. And like, it's tough because I I think that the chemistry between Sean Young and Harrison Ford left a lot to be desired. It's difficult when you don't necessarily, and I mean, you, you're an actor you understand that chemistry can be something that's difficult to create with somebody else unless it's naturally there. And if you, and I have definitely been in shows 
where you have to be intimate with people and you have to be close with people that oh, me and my my scene partner didn't immediately have that connection and we have really had to work for it but both sides have to be in that equation and i feel like in this in this particular scenario nobody was on the same page nobody well, it, discussed it and this is and this yeah this is a, a, a an instance where you've got the, the like the literal the young ingenue who with a character that's really hard to place and the like the guy who's worked with Coppola and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg who is not going to come out of his trailer unless he's shooting and then when he's shooting it's like I'm going to do my thing and it it didn't seem like I mean Harrison Ford was the the grizzled I mean he was not that old at that point but he was the grizzled veteran He'd, He'd been, been in, in plenty of films. Exactly. And I think it's unfortunate that there wasn't like a step up in leadership from him. Right. And I completely I, agree. And, 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 and again, like that's, he doesn't have to do that. That's not his job, but it, it, you know, I, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to not look at the person across from you, see that they're struggling and, and want to maybe help a little bit more. Exactly. It's not his job. Absolutely not his job. And it is any actor's choice. You can do what you need to do and go away. That's fine. But if you were in a scene with somebody else, I couldn't imagine just walking away from somebody and saying, like, I can see you're struggling, but right now I don't really think I want to deal with that because you're both in that scene. You're both in that moment. And don't you, okay, I will say somebody who is having a healthy experience in a show might want to make sure they create a good atmosphere for everybody else. I don't think anybody was having a healthy experience while doing this. I think yeah. everybody was incredibly frustrated. And I've been in shows where I'm incredibly frustrated. I'm like, that's what I did. It's fine. It's not great, but it'll pass. And I, I just kind of write it off. And you another know? reason, another reason to ride for Rucker Hauer he was like, yeah, it was a shoot. What do you want me to say? It was fine. Right? I just, yeah. like, you know, Harrison Ford, Sean Young, Daryl Hannah, to an extent, they're all like, yeah, it was tough. Long days, whatever. And Rucker Howard's just like, what do you want me to say? I'm an actor. I showed up. I did what I was asked. Like, it was fine. I know. Oh, I love oh, Rucker Howard. <laughs> also, very recently, uh, rewatched Surviving the Game. Oh, I've never seen that. <laughs> oh, my God. This has very similar themes to Battle Royale. This is Rucker Hauer and a group of his friends, which are limited to, but not uh, including, but not limited to John C. McGinley, F. Murray Abraham, and Gary Busey. Oh, wow. Bring, they, they essentially bring in um, a homeless man played by Ice-T out to the woods, and they hunt him for sport. Oh, the most dangerous game. Yeah, just... Just to spin on it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That sounds... <laughs> I don't know I'll, how to feel about that. I, I'll, I'll tell you this. It, we could do it on the other show. That's, Perfect. Let's do yeah, that. That sounds that's, really that's fun. That's that is. <laughs> I'll um, bring my husband along. It'll be great. We could do like oh, a, a date night thing. <laughs> totally. Um, uh, so I, so uh, you don't have to say yours yet if you don't want to, but um, my, my on-screen unsung hero is Daryl Hannah as Pris. Oh my God. Yes. Um, and, and not for like, there was some very like, just like her actually chipping her elbow when she runs from Sebastian um, to doing not, not the craziest of flips, not the, not the crazy, crazy, but, but some of the back bends and stuff that she was doing. Um, but like I, the first time that we meet her 
when she's she's walking on the street, she hides in the garbage. And like I know that it's in the script and, and everything, but like the way that she is able to sell the con to Sebastian so is good. really good. Yeah. Not only because she not only sells the con to Sebastian, she does sell the con to the audience. It's because yeah. I remember the first time I watched well, I was eleven the first time I watched it, but I also genuinely thought, oh, she really does need help. She yeah. needs this. And and Daryl Hannah's performance is beautiful. It's she is so good as Pris. And in the book, the they are androids in the book. Andy's. Yes, that's yes. Um, the androids are not as likable as the androids in the movie. Um, at one point, when they're with the um, the Sebastian character, who's actually John T. Can't remember his last name because I didn't write it down, which is bad podcasting. I apologize. Eh, whatever. But at, you know, he really connects with them because you know, oh, they're outsiders just like him. But he finds a rare spider and he brings it in because everything in the world um, has died pretty much. And Pris looks at it and she goes, "Oh, this is so interesting." She picks it up, starts playing with it, and then she starts to pull the legs off of the spider. And that's the point where J- where he's like, "Oh my gosh, something is wrong." I, I, these people can't empathize with animals, which is a huge, a huge thing in the book as well, that I'm kind of like fine with them not bringing into Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> and this Pris does not do that. This Pris literally just wants to be alive. And I appreciate the fact that they um, decided to go with the idea that um, these were people who had been oppressed that needed to find a way to live rather than trying to other them and, and trying to show how they were different than humans. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just, yeah, I, th- I thought that she was great throughout and, uh, and, and probably could have been in the movie more. I mean, I, and I, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, a movie that is this, you know, complicated and, and, and um, open to interpretation it isn't as I mean it's it's not even two hours, um, and I, I mean I'm surprised in in any of the recuts that well I don't know how you would do it but like I think there's room to expand a little bit within the the one movie. Um, I completely agree. Now I, this isn't this is related but not but it is. Um, what are your what are your Blade Runner twenty forty nine thoughts? Okay, I watched it once. I was planning on rewatching it for this. And I tried to rewatch it this morning. I do not enjoy that movie very much, personally. Um, I have a big issue with the way that women are portrayed in it. And I have a big issue with uh, the story itself. It, It's not my cup of tea. It's not my bag. Um, but I do think I need to rewatch it. I think I did kind of go in negatively to the film. I think that the soundtrack is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a it's the a great score. The soundtrack's gorgeous. Yeah, and, and that and opening uh, scene is great. Well, I, and that's, if the whole movie was the opening scene, I'd be happy. So, so I, I went to see Blade Runner twenty forty nine after only seeing Blade Runner once or twice, and and not having done any of the research I've done lately. Uh, so I watch it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's way too long. It's very very long. It's almost three hours. Um, I don't know. But I watched it the other night. I did my, my last night of this. I, I double featured the final cut in Blade Runner 2049. 
And having known what I know and watching the opening scene, essentially the scrapped opening for the yes. original Blade Runner, I, I, this is the, I mean, this is the the kind of thing that only a movie dork. But I got goosebumps when I made the connection. Like, oh shit, I get it. And what a great way to pay homage to Blade Runner by kind of reinserting the idea of that scene into this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, it definitely goes into a different a different world of things, and it's fine. Yeah. And, and and Jared Leto's in it because he's in things, and that's okay too. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like Anna de Armas is like completely sexualized throughout the entirety of the movie. The entirety of the movie. I I think I made it through the scene today where she's like, where he gives her the port that makes her into a a real girl yes and i yeah. was so upset that i just turned it off i was like i can't, I can't really watch this right now i'm not in a yeah. headspace for it i'll just i'm done i do i do like uh you know robin wright gets to be the like the boss i like yeah. i like oh that that's fine but, I, I like but, that too but i, I just know I, I i had problems watching that and then right after watching Blade Runner, and I have a lot of opinions about Deckard being a replicant, a lot of opinions that are oh, probably I, not the same as most people. But I can't wait to get to it. Actually, yeah, um, like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. I think it's really not in the movie's favor to have a Deckard be a replicant. I agree. There's no point. There is no point in him being a replicant because it is about him finding his humanity as well as the... Uh, replicants finding their humanity so why why make him a replicant it doesn't change the story at all it kind of convolutes the story yeah and just so and just so to be a, a little clearer so there are theories out there that yes. uh with the the introduction of the the unicorn i think i said unicorn the unicorn <laughs> dream sequence um that is not in the theatrical cut, but uh, Harris or Deckard sees the unicorn, and obviously that ties into the unicorn origami later in the movie. Uh, and we get gaffes, you know, it's it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? Um, that the connection there is that Gaff could have looked into Deckard's memories, thus him being a replicant, and that that's it, that the unicorn is an implanted memory, um, which. I, I will say, as theories go, it's not like it's based off nothing. I mean, I no. understand. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, totally, it, it has a place, and there's a place in the book where Decker does wonder, am I a replicant? That is a good portion of the book. But then he takes the the Void Comp test, and he's yes. fine. So. Yes. And, and I, I, you know... The the non VO version, you know, I know Rachel asked at one point, "Has have you ever taken the test yourself?" And it's not; it doesn't beat you over the head. But the idea of, you know, Deckard yeah. being a replicant, it kind of comes into play. But I, I I definitely wrote this down um, in the and this is in the theatrical cut, um, where he says the line. Oh, I want to make sure I get this right. Oh, this is right after Zora dies, in the theatrical, and he goes. There I was again, feeling for myself, <laughs> for her, for Rachel. And it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? There I go again, feeling. Damn it. And, Why am I feeling feels? And, it, and like, 
at no point in the final cut, other than this unicorn connection, do do, do I think that he's a replicant? I just I it, it the seat. I mean, I think about it when it kind of comes up naturally in yeah. the movie. But like stuff like this makes me go. They want me to think it. They do. But but don't don't force it on. I don't know. Like the VO, it doesn't help it. No, it doesn't. The VO doesn't help it. And I also feel so Ridley Scott. And I'm sure you already know this. Uh, but you know, just I'll bring it up anyways. Ridley Scott and uh, Harrison Ford had arguments about this, and like they both did discuss, probably in raised voices. Um, the idea of Deckard being a replicant versus being human. But according to Harrison Ford, they both agreed that Deckard was human. And I think in the scene where he kills Zora, there are people who believe that he's feeling remorse because he f- killed another replicant. That's why he's upset about it. And I, I tend to think that he it feels remorse because he realizes, oh, these are living sentient creatures like I am do I really have the choice like am I really capable of making the choice to kill them and also at this point he's already developing feelings for Rachel who is a replicant so and he his job is to kill replicants so or sorry I apologize to retire replicants so he's probably thinking about the fact that oh my god I might have to retire Rachel at that point because when you have a spouse, when you or not even a spouse, but somebody that you care about, sometimes those intrusive thoughts come in of like, oh my gosh, what if something happened to this person? Well, and the, I, I want to stick with the Zora thing for now because because that that's really important what you said because Harrison Ford goes to the place, the club where she is. While he's there, he calls Rachel and yes. basically says, hey, come come see me. And she's like, no, I don't think so. So that happens. And then we get everything with Zora, the snake. He hunts her down. He shoots her. And then there's Kowalski's there. Leon's there. And it beats the shit out of him. And yep. Rachel's there, boom, to save the day. Somehow. So, She's somehow there. And she has a lot of gun training. Good for her. Well, I, you know, I think I don't. The gun thing is true. This, but I'm not like she I think she she he told her where he was. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's very much like filmy that she happens to be where where she needs to be but, but that's also pretty film noir so like i'm yeah. willing to forgive it but you're totally like we yes we have this initial like him way earlier on we've got him thinking okay i might be having feelings for this person and then we get the next scene at his at his place where, where she's there and she asks him like if i went north would you come after me and he says no i owe you one but I think he says, I think he throws in the, I know I owe you one because if he just stuck with no, it'd be, it's like, no, because I don't want to. Yes. But, but, but that's, but that's, but that would be showing too much emotion. Right. So, th- so I think he adds in the, I owe you one to sort of try to cover that up. But you're, I think you're totally right. The, the feelings for Rachel have everything to do with the way he feels about Zora dying. Yes. Yeah. Because if Rachel it could be as close to a human in his mind than so are so are these other ones. And that's probably why I will say my unsung hero for this movie is Zora. There you go. I really truly connect with Zora and it makes me it, every time she goes through that plate glass and she dies, I get really upset. I and I think one of the things I get so upset about is that the replicants are so sexualized in this movie. Uh, all the females are. But in particular, yeah. they mention, they specifically mention that Pris is a, uh, pleasure, a pleasure model. model. 
And then Zora herself, either by choice or because it's her only option, gets into sex work. And sex work is real work. And then while she is doing this job, that is when she's gunned down by a not police officer. It's really upsetting to watch. And I, I have to sit there and wonder, how did Zora get into this? How did Zora choose that this is where she wanted to go? And I... I just feel for her because I, I think she knows who Deckard is from the beginning, even when he's putting on his silly voice and going, oh, oh ma'am, God, ma'am, can I talk to you? So conspicuous. She obviously yeah. knows what's happening, but I think she also knows I can't tell this person. No, I'm just going to have to allow him in while I, I change. And then I'm going to escape as soon as I possibly can. Yeah. But yeah. without that scene, unfortunately, because a woman dying has to, help develop a man's story without that scene. I don't think Deckard would be where he is at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, also I, another kind of unsung hero out there to the snake, Joanna oh, Cassidy's snake. real snake. That's yep, just good for her. Um, you, you mentioned the idea of him not being a cop and there's a line at some point in here where it says, if you're not a cop, you're little people, which I'm like, God, that's still fucking, that, that's it's just a line for even today. More that's prevalent. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much time I want to spend on the next thing I'm going to say, but um, Edward James Olmos is gaff and the city speak. I I'm going to just, I don't care about it. Like I, I think it's so cool that at almost went to like speech clinics and like developed this thing. But I, it's, I, I, I it is so unimportant. I agree. I think it's really unimportant. I wish that we had more people doing that I, I wish that we saw gaff more one of my issues is that gaff continually shows up but he doesn't really do anything other yeah. than further deckard's plot and yeah. you know i've read things online um i listened to another podcast because i was like oh what are some other theories people have and i did hear someone who said oh i think that gaff is actually the blade runner and deckard is the replicant and he's getting deckard to do all of his dirty work and I think that's an interesting theory, but I also sure. don't think it's it's really uh, motivated. I don't think there's a lot of, I don't I don't think there's anything in the movie that proves that that's happening. But that's okay. Like it's, yeah. it, I think Gaff just shows up to give us exposition and to give uh, Deckard something to react to. Yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate. I think that they could have done a lot more with him. I do too. I mean, he's he's such he's got such a look and a vibe to him that it, mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like what he's doing is bad at all. I just it, it's so irrelevant to what's happening. Yeah, that it's I, if you cut Gaff out, it wouldn't it. If you cut Gaff out of the film, you still would have Blade Runner. If you yeah. cut Roy Batty out of the film, you wouldn't have Blade Runner anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's unfortunate um, because he's such a good actor and he does have a presence that Gaff is yeah. a memorable character, but he yeah. just, Oh, for sure. They didn't do anything with him. Um, so, uh, you know, another thing that we do on the show is we talk about favorite, favorite shots and or scenes. And I just, and I, so I kind of open the floor to you on both of those, a favorite scene or a favorite shot of yours. Favorite shot, the opening. Ah, I don't okay, think good. great. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's, I literally this morning at five in the morning, I, I let me see if I can even decipher my notes because I was a little bit tired, uh, tired. But I said, uh, this opening shot is unparalleled and it is one of the best in cinema histories. Like it's 
beautiful. It still stands up. It looks like the city is actually breathing. Yeah. It's incredible. It, I, know. My, I, I could watch that shot forever. My, my note was not nearly. I said, I said, God damn, the opening is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and this is and that this is this was my final cut viewing. This is the third time I watched it. And that's still my note. It's it's I, I don't know any other movie that has that type of reaction for me. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Favorite and scene. I think it, oh oh no, yes, go, no, 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 no. Oh, I was, I was just gonna say my. I think what it's the it's the opening too, and my my off screen unsung hero, which I, I, he's fairly sung, but I think it could have been more was, is Vangelis, and yeah. it's the score too with it. And I kept I kept saying like, unlike E. T., which that score is is telling you how to feel. Um, Vangelis' score is so atmospheric that when you when the when the movie starts. And you're kind of going in over the city and the, and like the, the synth comes on. It's like, oh, God, it just all works together so well. I think that is absolutely the truth unless we are talking about the scene between Deckard and Rachel. Yeah, that's, yeah. With the sexy saxophone when yes. everybody is supposed to think that no means yes. That's a really yeah. hard scene. I'm sure we'll tackle that shortly, but that's... That's one of my biggest issues with this movie and one of the issues with me even saying this is one of my favorite movies because that whole interaction, I have a theory. I have a theory that we'll discuss. Yeah, yes. Um, my favorite um, scene of the movie is when Roy Batty confronts Tyrell. That's a good one, yeah. It's because everybody wants to confront their maker at some point, right? He, it, it is... Roy has thought about this. He has done horrible things to get to this point. And I do truly believe that Roy thinks everything that I have done is going to matter because once I get to my maker, once I get to father, I I will be able to make my life worth something. And Tyrell sees him as this shiny toy that he has created. What did he say that he burned, you know, those who burn brighter burn out quick to oh, you know, two times quicker. Yeah, the- Yes, those that burn bright last half as oh god, I I have it because it's I was so It's incredibly dismissive. Yeah. It's it's very it angers me. And you can see the betrayal in Batty. You can see how he he wants to believe that this is going to help him. He thinks that he's done everything right and then for Tyrell to dismissively say there's nothing we can do. We can't give you more life. Do you want better parts? What What is it that you want? And he kind of has this hubris about him. Um, he believes that because he's his maker, Roy wouldn't hurt him. And then Roy does, he goes back into his most, you know, primitive form. He yeah. becomes the, the battle droid that he was made to be. He kills yeah. him in one of the most brutal ways. There's such a a symbolism on eyes and what you see and the fact that he takes his eyes away yeah. is quite a beautiful scene. I I'm on Roy's side. I can't say no to what he did. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong, but also what was he supposed to do at that point? Do I think he should have killed Sebastian? Absolutely not. I'm not okay with that because I feel really bad for Sebastian. I Now, do we do we know what happens to Sebastian? They we do. I was listening for it and they said that uh Tyrell was found and then a 25-year-old companion with Tyrell. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So great. he absolutely yeah. does. But also at some point um, when Sebastian and Pris are together, he's like, I know what you are. I helped design you do something for me. And he's like, and Roy says, what do you want us to do? We're humans just like you. So Pris gets up and does, a, you know, like a, a backbend for him and he gets very excited about it. So he, Sebastian as well, doesn't see them as humans. He sees those, them as objects that he's helped to create. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the line is a light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. There we go. I, I knew dismissive. I had it somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally agree with you on the shot. I also love um, Batty looking through the chain link fence. We could just see his eyes. Yes. That's, that's a really, that's a really good shot. Um, and then for the scene, like I wanted to zag, I wanted to do something like, Oh, it's actually this scene. I, it, it's, it's his speech at the end. It's and and, and letting Deckard live. It's yeah. it's really good. It's beautiful. I, I don't even know what else to say. It's just a really well shot, well delivered moment. It's one of my favorite scenes in cinema. You can't. I. I, I let me see what I wrote. Because I have my notes in front of me. It's funny because I have things like uh, opening scene, scene two, the noodles. Because then at that point, I wanted to get some ramen noodles because that's what he was eating. Um, and then, you know, I have the eyeball man. Just for me to remember where I am. So at the end, yeah. uh, you know, because why not? That sounds great. At the end, I think I didn't have a, well, I had a ton to say. But I said, has there ever been a better ending soliloquy? It's so poignant and so beautiful. He just wanted more life. He didn't ask to be born. He didn't ask to be created for combat. And yet here he is dead, unable to accomplish his goal. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's the human existence. Like, And I, I love it too, starting. I mean, it pretty much starts off with him, you know, quite inexperienced to live in fear, isn't it? And that, that's what it is to be a slave. Yes. Yeah. And again, another reason why, you know, I mean, unfortunately, there will always be people who are oppressed. And it's why it's why lines like that will always ring true, because the, unfortunately, there it still is in one way or another. It's still yeah, true. Um, exactly. And so it was Yeah, it's just a, another line that kind of just, you know, stands out even it more. Does. So. It does. It shouldn't. I was uh, I think my final thoughts for this were that this film is still relevant. Unfortunately, there are yeah. still so many people that are oppressed in this world and it it feels impossible to get out of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Un unfortunately, it. Yeah, yeah. I um, do have a question about this film. Uh, just yes. the tone of it in particular. I'm sure this is one of the most, you know, like well-known facts, but Ridley Scott lost his brother right before he did this. Yeah. And I feel like this film is filled with a very heavy, oppressive weight, um, especially around mortality. And I think it does culminate in that ending scene. And I, I have to think that when Ridley Scott was creating this film, a lot of his own fears and anxieties were put into this world. It's pretty nihilistic, this, this whole movie. And oh, yeah. like, do you feel that when you watch it? I it's, it's hard not to. And yeah. I mean, cause, and, and I, 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 and I, 
you, you can't help but think about the original happy ending of Deckard and Rachel driving away, like literally driving into the sunset or drive, or I should say driving into the n- unused footage of the shining. Because that's, that's what I was going to say, you know, <laughs> unused just... footage of the shining. He loves using unused footage, unused footage of the shining for there. The unicorn was from yep. legend apparently. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unicorn really in a sci-fi but... movie, a unicorn. Yeah. Oh, you know, Hey, unicorns, they're mythical. They're magical. They're magical. You know, they're I do love them. Here's unicorns are big in this house. They really are. The unicorns the are big are... in this house. And oh, they're 30, 32 and 34. Or he no. doesn't care about them as much, but I love unicorns. So. That's that's fair. Um I think I'd get along very well with your daughters. We probably have a lot of common interests. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um but no, I think I you know, I, there's probably part of, of Ridley Scott that thought the addition of the happy ending was so against yeah, I mean the the mindset of where he was from from the beginning. Yeah, and dealing with it, and you can't. It's like even if it wasn't an active choice, you can't unlink the fact that he lost his brother uh, very very young, and is doing a movie where, like like the the purpose of life and how long do we get to be here is all in question. It's um, all in. It's the yeah the point of the film. <laughs> yeah, um. So. I I think it's there. I definitely feel it. it. But how 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 um how at the forefront it was for Ridley Scott actively? I I don't know. Same. But, I'm not um, sure, but it yeah permeates. It definitely got itself into every nook and cranny of this movie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I I wanted to. You've definitely, and I don't know if I, you've teased the the Rachel stuff. And I just, yes. I, I want to make sure you've got, cause I, I think I, I hit a lot of the big shit I wanted to hit. So I wanted okay. to give you room for room for Rachel. So I have a question for you. Have you ever watched um, a YouTube channel called, uh, I believe it's called the pop culture detective. I don't think so. No. Okay. He does some pretty fantastic uh, videos about pop culture and what it means. And one of his videos uh, from a couple of years ago was about Harrison Ford's characters and the aggressive male. And uh, the he touches on Indiana Jones, Han Solo, yep. and Deckard, yep. which I think is very important because it's very much a no-means-yes mentality and how this was the standard for what a masculine man should do for a very long time. I hope that that's changing. I, I truly do. It is something after watching that, and I think it's from like 2016, maybe 2017, after mm-hmm. watching that video. And I mean, I'd always, I, I can't say that I was always super uncomfortable with that scene because when I first saw it when I was younger, I didn't really understand what was happening. Yeah. But it, it is difficult to watch him throw her against the wall. It's difficult for him to tell her to do things. And then um, I... I just kept thinking about it. Does Rachel even have a choice when it comes to her relationship with Deckard? Because she has grown up thinking that she is human, that even in the society where it doesn't seem like women are really in positions of power, she's in a position of power. She works for Tyrell. She is his niece. She has an air about her that even, she even has higher status than Deckard in their first scene together, or seems to think that she does. And then after that, she's trying to play catch up. And 
you know, she goes to him. She asks, will you come after me? And he says no. But really the only reason he's saying no at that time isn't because he thinks that she's human or more human than replicant. It's because he has this attraction to her. So she sits down at the piano. She starts to play. And he leans in to kiss her. And she's obviously uncomfortable with it. She gets up to leave. And then he pretty much forces her into this interaction. And at the end of the movie then, when he comes in and says, do you love me? She immediately responds, I love you. And then they leave together. Does she have a choice to not leave with Deckard? Because they're going to be hunted down no matter what. She has a better chance of surviving if she is with Deckard than not. So is Rachel choosing to be with him because she feels there is literally no other choice? And I rewatched the movie with that in mind, and it really made me emotional. And I thought, wow, is does Deckard still see her as somewhat of a robot? <laughs> I mean... And what and what's what's great about that is, is I mean you say robot, but I think to extend it to this whole idea of of no means yes, it's like does does Deckard view her as as somebody um, as somebody of worth like in yeah. general like like um, because and, and the Indiana Jones one is I think is really apparent um, and I guess it is in in Star Wars I just never I never actively think about it although I probably should but this one's interesting because I think. I don't want to speak for anybody who made it, but I think part of the mentality there is, well, if she's a replicant, this isn't this isn't as harsh. I think that's what I do. Do you know what I mean? Though I think that's I what know. we're meant to like. Oh, it's toned down because she's not really human. But then you also have to think about the fact that if she is not, she has a four year lifespan. There's a very good chance that this is her first sexual interaction ever. Yeah. And to have it be where she is pushed up against a wall, the the door is literally slammed in front of her and she's instructed to kiss him and put her hands on him. That's a problem. And it's it's really hard for me to watch this scene. It makes me really feel for Rachel because she's probably super confused and even as a person it, it, anybody in that situation would be confused. And You know, and it's just a bummer that like in that scene, like I don't, it's like, and I, and I know that the wanting to make this like a space noir, was, was a very intentional Absolutely. choice. And, and I think that's, that that's not a bad choice. I think it's a fine choice, but like the great thing when you're making a movie like this is that you can change that you can change some of the tropes Yes. and there's no, there's in that same scene, when Harrison Ford, he's taking off his shirt, good looking dude. He's, 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 you know, he's trying to get the blood out of his mouth and stuff. And Rachel's curious about him. Right? Absolutely. She's walking, she's watching. And, and I just, I guess part of me goes, why doesn't that scene go where like he looks up and they look at each other? And like, again, this is me wanting to make it more subtle, but like they just look at each other and then like they just come together. Like, why can't yeah. they come together? Because in that moment, yes. it makes so much sense. Like, I, when, when Rachel walks away at that moment, I, I'm like, oh, no, what? Why? What? <laughs> What's exactly. happening? Exactly, because if, if she had gone in at that moment, it would have felt more consensual than yeah. otherwise. And it's it's just something that 
as you watch it more before it was like oh it's a man taking what he wants and it's a man showing that it's okay to have these feelings and i think that's probably what they were trying to because i you know i did catch that rachel's saying oh i can't trust and i'm assuming that what she's trying to say is i can't trust what i'm feeling because she is a replicant and she can't trust her emotions and i think that's what they were trying to get across but it doesn't quite work yeah i agree it it makes it feel um predatory and it makes me question how much uh, authority rachel has in the decision at the end to run away with deckard well and and actually this leads to the i i had some bullet pointed items and this actually leads in a way it leads to the last thing i wanted to ask you which is is this movie more style over substance because because I think if you're if you're in the script and you're digging into the script and you're really trying to see if things make sense or how it's going to come across, you might notice that. And I get that this movie is dated it's from 1982 and all those other things. But I do think that Ridley Scott was more interested in the world building than he was about the character development. And I, I think it just and, and it's not just Rachel, although it's very obvious with Rachel. I think so many of the characters are like, but who I and, like, who are you? Yeah. What, no, what, I, what, yeah, I agree. I, I was thinking that today, actually, um, as I said previously in this, I thought that it was a pretty, it was a huge world that they created, but it's a very small story within that world. Yeah. And I think that the story itself isn't the strongest part of this movie. I think that the strongest part is the world that they created and how influential it has become. It's beautiful. It is a, yeah. It's a beautiful thing to look at. There isn't a lot of substance underneath it. I yeah, think I, that it, the story is pretty straightforward, and the story is something that most of us can relate to. Um, we all want more time. We all want the opportunity to feel like we matter. Yeah, indeed. We want to yes. know that we have created something. Uh beautiful with our lives we want to think that we're not just going to disappear into the ether right but then at the end you i have to wonder sometimes there are times when i watch and i go did roy batty save uh deckard specifically so that he could make sure that somebody knew who he was did he and i thought that today i was like did he save him so that somebody could witness him dying because if not, he he dies and, and nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. a really sad prospect. That's Yeah. Very heavy. Very heavy. And I didn't really want to get that heavy, but it's <laughs> just No, but that's know. it's I mean, at the end of I mean you know, I mean everybody's questioning who they are in the movie. Who yeah. they are, what their purpose is, how long am I gonna be here, have I made an impact? And yeah, those are big things that Maybe we don't think about them actively every day, but they're they're thoughts that come up all the time. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I guess the, the the last thing, and and I've been ending a lot of these lately with this is just um like if I was to say like I'm gonna hit I'm gonna stop recording like now, like what's like what's the thing that you haven't said yet about the movie that like you'd be upset if you didn't get out? I think that. The original director's cut from 92 
is I don't okay this is what I'll say I think Blade Runner would be perfect if it did not have the unicorn scene oh interesting I think that Blade Runner as its own without the unicorn scene is wonderful and I prefer it without because I think forcing us to believe that Deckard is a replicant changes the entire story and actually dampens what we're supposed to learn from it yeah I mean I, I can't say that I disagree um I think I just there's obviously a a, a a a literal polished nature to the final cut that I I just like to see but that's that's a good point though I mean the the unicorn does create some obvious ambiguity and and makes you question a lot of what's happening in the movie for sure it, it makes you question a lot of the director's choices before I really think Ridley Scott thought oh people like that idea why don't I put this in for them then you know I don't I don't think it was something that he originally intended to have in the film that's fair oh and I and that's kind of what it seems like though like it doesn't seem like it was an original thought yeah no I really don't um yeah and now I'm looking through my notes seeing if there's anything else really that I wanted to say I feel like we really did hit on a lot of the we hit the of, big things we did we did i mean there's yeah. still a million things we could talk about we could talk, uh, we could talk uh, exactly. about deckard's freaking suit jacket and his his jacket and tie and shirt what was he wearing it was terrible yeah the, we could the talk future, about that forever yeah the future of fashion is bleak it's very bleak my god though i gotta be honest those shoulder pads i was feeling it go rachel wear those shoulder pads forever <laughs> Those were her pretty iconic. Her first, her walking in the first time. Her, her triangle body. <laughs> I, I mean, it. nothing says nothing says future in the eighties like that. Like shoulder pads up to your earlobes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so so now we're at we're at question time. So, Brittany, I have to ask you. Do you think? that Blade Runner should be in the book. I think Blade Runner is one of the most influential films in history for the modern, for, for modern cinema. I think it absolutely deserves to be in there. It was a triumph. It has a lot of issues, but I don't think that those issues take away from what it gave to us in cinema. Um, I agree. I agree. And uh, this was definitely one of the few episodes that I wasn't sure which way I was going to fall uh, initially. And, you know, I, I try not to let the the idea of a movie being influential sway me because it's like, but it, but it has to be there on screen. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think a lot of it is. Does this movie have faults? Absolutely. And we've discussed many of them today. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that the, the positives outweigh the negatives. I can't unknow what I know now of the making of it and the struggles and all yeah. of the different cuts. And I, I do like the legacy that it has left. Um, and maybe, you know, I love you, Ian. Maybe if you were around, I would say no, just to piss you off because that's what <laughs> I would do. Um, but no, no, I do. I do think this should be in the book. I absolutely think that uh, this and Thelma and Louise and Alien and Gladiator are the right Ridley Scott movies to be in there. I and, agree. Yeah, and I, and I think 
you can you can see you know with with something like an event horizon with something like the matrix i mean you can see the influence that this really has had the fifth element is pretty yeah. much this movie <laughs> Except exactly happier yeah it's certainly brighter it's definitely um, brighter brighter <laughs> Oh, I don't I know not, what else oh to man. say about it. I haven't it, thought about that movie in a long time. Oh, oh man. If, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, th- so there you go. We have two positives, two yes, it should be in the book. Um, but as always, I want to know what you think. So please find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Let us know if, if Blade Runner should be in the book. Where does this stand in the Ridley Scott echelon of films? Uh, Brittany, thank you so much. I get two days in a row. We, we've two just days been in a row, Adam. This has been so much fun. One day we'll actually watch a movie together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, in per- you're talking about in person? Yeah, yeah. We'll like actually yeah. sit down and watch a film. We talk that about would be something. Enough, so. That right? would be something. I will say um, I'm a movie talker. So if you don't like yeah. it. Uh, it's not that I, if it's a movie I haven't seen, it's tough. Understandable. It, completely if, understandable. If, if I've seen it, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, to- totally like, yeah, that's great. Um, but I, I thank you so much for being on the show. I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, and thank you so much for having me. It's oh, been wonderful. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, next week is the, the last of the run of these. Um, it is Ian's favorite film. Uh, it's with Nail and I. It's a movie that I haven't seen, so I'm, I'm coming, at, coming to it very, very fresh. Um, And that'll be what's coming up next. But until then, I am Adam, and we will see you next week.